The following program was paid for by Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. The views and opinions expressed on Answers Live are not necessarily those of the staff and management of the station. Management has not investigated the claims made during this program. The views and medical recommendations of guests on Answers Live are not necessarily those of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. As always, consult your health professional regarding any medical decisions. Welcome to Answers Live, your community medical connection, making a partnership of good health. The studio lines are open for your calls and questions. Call 973-267-9687. Now, here's your host, Tom Wood. Good morning and welcome to Answers Live, your community medical connection, creating a partnership of good health. I'm your host, Tom Wood from Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. ANS. We are located right here in Morristown with uh, several offices throughout the state. Our newest office will be opening in Pompton Plains, New Jersey. The most exciting news about ANS is we are now in network with Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield. Uh, so give our office a call at 973-285-7800 to schedule your appointments or to get any information on the changes that are happening here. Also visit our website at ansdocs.com. Again, that's ansdocs.com. As always, I look around to find the best and the specialists in the area, and a lot of people have been asking for some more information on strokes so, of course, who do I go to but our very own Dr. Paul Sapphire, who is a partner at Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists and one of the leaders in stroke care in our group. Good morning, Dr. Sapphire. Good morning, Tom. Um, I'm glad to have you back on the show. I think you were on the show probably a couple of years ago, uh, but you've been making some huge strides in the uh, stroke area, especially in New Jersey, running some trials and some new techniques, and we'll get to those. But I kind of wanted to start out the show a little bit uh, for basics for some of our listeners about strokes. Um, what are the various types of strokes? Really, what is a stroke? Let's it's, a, start. it's a great question, Tom. You know, I, I say in general that strokes, um, when people refer to, you know, their loved ones or their friends or their family members having a stroke, that is somewhat of, a, of, a, of an umbrella term, a, a general term. And uh, a lot of different clinical scenarios or patient experiences can be can be grouped into having a stroke. Some people, uh, you know, will have friends or family members have a blockage in a blood vessel, what we refer to as an ischemic stroke, um, where blood is not able to get to the various parts of the brain, and that brain is deprived of oxygen, and they can either have transient symptoms or permanent, you know, permanent neurological deficits. Some people can have bleeding in the brain, and that's what we refer to as a hemorrhagic stroke, and there are many different reasons as to why that can occur. But in general, what we refer to as you know, the, the basic categories are either that ischemic stroke where blockage in the blood vessel, blood can't flow there, or hemorrhagic stroke, bleeding inside the brain itself. Um, with regards to the uh, hemorrhagic stroke, the different causes, some people can have ruptured brain aneurysms. Some people can have abnormalities in the blood vessels themselves, what we call vascular malformations that can bleed. And then some people oftentimes can have what's called a hypertensive hemorrhage, which means it's a fancy way of saying a high blood pressure induced bleeding inside the brain. Okay. So for a lot of our listeners who suffer from high blood pressure, um, most importantly should be taking their medications. But um, being in this industry, like I said, along with you, we do hear of a lot of people having these bleeds. Uh, they go to the hospital and there's no concrete evidence of what caused it. Is that when you're speaking of the hemorrhagic uh, bleed caused by, say, blood pressure? For sure. Yeah. There's. I mean, again, there's many different reasons why people can have bleeding inside of the brain. Um, when we refer to hemorrhagic strokes, more often than not, they are related to these, uh, you know, to patients who have 
uh, chronic high blood pressure, you know, oftentimes I'll see patients in the hospital. Uh, they'll have had a, a hemorrhagic stroke, a hypertensive bleed, uh, bleeding in the brain. And the family member will oftentimes say, you know, uh, my, my loved one's blood pressure wasn't really quite that high today. So I'm kind of surprised that you're saying that it's a, a high blood pressure bleed. And really what it is, it's more of, say, someone battling high blood pressure for the past you know, several decades of their life. So maybe they're 50 or 60 years old, but they've carried the diagnosis of high blood pressure for maybe, you know, the past 20 or 30 years. And it's just that chronic wear and tear on the blood vessels that, you know, that continuous, you know, sort of low level high blood pressure that, that wears down the walls of the very small blood vessels that ultimately lead them to, to bleed and cause a major issue. So yeah, you know, high blood pressure is a major risk factor. The other risk factors that we hear of all the time with a lot of other medical conditions, high cholesterol, diabetes, smoking history, alcohol intake, unhealthy lifestyle, et cetera, et cetera. All these things that are, you know, a kind of a constant, continuous, common theme between a lot of medical conditions is what we see in a lot of these patients as well. Okay. Before we get into some of the treatments, um, I want to explain to everyone uh, who don't, uh, don't, don't understand, uh, Dr. Sapphire is what's called an endovascular neurosurgeon. And at ANS, we're very uh, lucky to have people at his skill level. Um, can you explain just to the our listening audience what that is? Right. So neurosurgery is um, an area of medicine that deals with uh, you know, surgical intervention for the nervous system. That primarily means either the brain, the spinal cord, or the peripheral nervous system. And when we talk about vascular or cerebrovascular neurosurgeons, and specifically uh, cerebrovascular and endovascular neurosurgeons, such as myself, we're referring to neurosurgeons that treat or specialize in disorders dealing with the blood vessels in the brain, whether it be strokes, um, ischemic strokes, or bleeding in the brain, ruptured aneurysm, so on and so forth, and can approach that disease state from two main ways. So classically, people think of surgeons making incisions with uh, scalpels and doing open surgery and open brain surgery, and we certainly do a lot of that. But also, we can treat a lot of these disorders in today's day and age with the advance in technology through a minimally invasive or endovascular approach, meaning from the inside out, very similar to, say, um, uh, the difference between a, uh, an invasive cardiologist treating a heart attack with angioplasty and stenting of the blood vessels in the heart, which a lot of patients or family members of patients have heard or know of people have had that, versus, say, open-heart surgery. So, you know, it's a, it's a, both are, are effective. Both carry uh, different um, uh, approaches to the same or same or similar disease states. Both have their pros and cons associated with it. But for surgeons such as myself and the partners in, in my group, uh, we are what we, what we refer to as dual trained. So we can perform both minimally invasive endovascular approach, inside out approach, as well as open traditional um, uh, cranial surgery or open surgery. Okay. That kind of leads into my next question. Uh, how has stroke treatment changed over the past 10 years? We have seen a dramatic evolution in our understanding for uh, stroke treatment and the disease state. Um, and before we kind of get into the, how the treatment has changed, you know, the, the big difference, or not obviously, but there's a tremendous difference in how we approach ischemic stroke, 
meaning blockages again in the blood vessels, so poor blood flow to the brain, versus hemorrhagic stroke, meaning bleeding inside the brain. For ischemic stroke, uh, it has been widely accepted that now we have an opportunity to treat select patients. As you can imagine, they need to be uh, an appropriate candidate to receive the therapy, where we can actually navigate small tubes or catheters inside the blood vessels in the brain or leading up to the brain. And if there's a blockage there, we can oftentimes remove that and restore blood flow in a, in a rapid manner. That's a very time-sensitive, has-to-go-immediately type procedure. And that's something that's been great and is continuously evolving. So while the concept may remain the same, our technological advancements have improved. How we image the brain, how we image is a brain salvageable, or meaning can I save that brain? And also the specific tools that we use to treat the disorders have also evolved tremendously over the past several years. Okay. Um, hemorrhagic stroke has also undergone a... Uh, um, a, a change in treatment. So not only are we able to treat, say, brain aneurysms themselves in progressively more and more minimally invasive manners, and again, maybe not everybody's a candidate for that, um, but that certainly is one avenue. The other thing, too, is the blood itself, how we're, how we're able to treat that blood that's actually escaped out of the blood vessel in the brain has also evolved. And I think that's sort of where this conversation is going. Um, you know, sometimes it's important, well, I should say, oftentimes it's important to treat the underlying cause for the bleed in the brain, but oftentimes we also have to treat the bleed that has occurred as well. Right. Um, and as you're leading into that, um, I know you basically are leading that in New Jersey as far as procedures to evacuate this blood that's in there. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, um, how you're involved and how you basically are leading the way in New Jersey that you're offering pretty much this procedure that most really are anyone else in the state offering it? So, it, you know, it's a great question. And certainly over the past few years, and when I say few, I do mean, you know, a handful of years, this technology has become available. Um, and we, uh, myself and my partners, were very early adopters and believers in the technology and did our own due diligence in terms of evaluating it, doing our own internal studies and reviews of the, of the technology and where things have gone. But we are, we've been able to approach uh, bleeding in the brain in this very minimally invasive manner. So when people have bleeding in the brain and there's a big collection of blood in the brain and it increases the pressure inside the brain, patients can become very sick. And it's not just because of the destruction in the tissue right there in the, in the brain where the bleeding has occurred, but also because as that blood accumulates, it, it really does increase the overall pressure and what we call swelling or edema inside the brain. And by going in and removing that blood in a minimally invasive way, literally a small little incision, a small hole in the skull, and a small special tube that allows us to navigate very sophisticatedly into that hemorrhage alone and minimize the amount of brain that we need to actually manipulate to get to it and safely and effectively remove that hemorrhage, we're able to offer these patients the advantage of removing the hemorrhage and minimizing the amount of impact that surgery has for these patients. It's, I find it very exciting. Like I said, in the past, um, you know, I would say four years really is when this has become available and has, and has really taken off. Uh, we've seen significant improvement in patients who have undergone this procedure as say with traditional either open surgery or with no surgery at all. In the past, uh, how was it treated? It wasn't being treated? Great question. You know, it's, um, you know, when I go around the country or even internationally and I talk to other physicians and other institutions that are interested in learning how to, 
how to adopt this technology and, and uh, per, you know, perform these procedures. Um, what I say to the people that, that I'm meeting, whether it be physicians, surgeons, nurses, um, referring physicians, ER physicians, emergency room physicians, or neurologists, or other people that want to learn about it, we, in a way, have been reversing our position as neurosurgeons on this issue for the past 50 or 60 years. And what I mean by that is traditionally for a lot of these hemorrhages, as neurosurgeons, we have been very hesitant, if at all, operating on them because the outcomes of patients who've undergone traditional surgery versus best medical management, meaning managing the patient without surgery, hasn't really moved the needle sufficiently. And what I say to patients or their families is that to undergo a surgery, I have to you know, believe and, and safely convey to the individual that the risk of the surgery is, wor- is worth undertaking if I believe that I can offer that patient significant benefit. If we don't significantly change the outcome for patients with surgery, then to offer them surgery, to offer that risk of complication of surgery may not be in that patient's best interest. Now, with a minimally invasive approach, and this is really the questions that we need to answer, and certainly my own anecdotal or our institution's anecdotal experience, we've certainly seen a trend towards improvement. But that's why we're undertaking a lot of these trials and research endeavors that we'll talk about in a minute. But what we're trying to show definitively is that, yes, by undergoing a surgery, albeit a minimally invasive surgery that effectively removes that hemorrhage, we think and we believe that we can really undo the course or undo the effects that Mother Nature has you know, kind of put upon these patients. And, and I, think, I think that we'll, we'll be able to see that. That's amazing. It's, it's such a breakthrough. And, and to have you and this um, ability to perform these procedures here in New Jersey is just great for for everyone here. We're going to take a quick break. I'll be right back with Dr. Paul Sapphire. There's a unique place in New Jersey, a pioneer in healthcare leading the way with their nationally recognized spine center and their extraordinary support groups dedicated to providing emotional and logistical assistance. That place is Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists, ANS, well known for improving lives with exceptional neurosurgical services, medical firsts, and one-of-a-kind programs. ANS, home to New Jersey's largest group of world-renowned fellowship-trained neurosurgeons offering advanced treatment options like stereotactic radiosurgery, a non-invasive and highly effective treatment for an increasing number of brain and spinal tumors. ANS, a leader in stroke care with a success rate greater than the national average, among the first in the country to use stent trevers, allowing surgeons to immediately restore blood flow to the brain. ANS, using advanced computer-guided technologies for minimally invasive spine surgeries that reduce recovery time from weeks to days. ANS, restoring hope and helping patients regain their lifestyle. ANS, making next generation treatments possible today. Don't let insurance come before your health. ANS accepts all patients. For more information, call 973-285-7800 or visit ansdocs.com. ansdocs.com. Welcome back to Answers Live. I'm your host, Tom Wood from ANS, Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist. To reach us, it's 973-285-7800 or visit our website at ansdocs.com. I'm here with our very own Dr. Paul Sapphire, and we were talking uh, about strokes and all the new uh, innovations happening in stroke care. Dr. Sapphire, um, let's get back into uh, some of the basics. When our listeners are are listening to everything going on, pretty much about treatments uh, and the new techniques, um, if we dial it back a little bit, 
what are what are the signs of stroke? Someone's at home, and what is kind of like, how does it progress a stroke, and when should someone call for help, and the whole procedure of that? Right. So usually strokes come on very quickly, and the changes are very sudden, and they're pronounced. Um, sometimes they can be subtle, and it may be a little bit challenging for family members to recognize that. We use an acronym, FAST, F-A-S-T, especially when we're talking about ischemic stroke or blockages in the blood vessel leading up to the brain. And what that acronym stands for, F is for uh, face, if there's any sort of asymmetry in the face, meaning one side of the face is drooping or looks funny. A is for arm or leg, meaning there's weakness or funny feelings in the arm or the leg, they're dragging, not walking normally. Speech is the S in fast. Um, usually that means problems understanding someone's speech, like they're slurring their words. People say, oh, it sounds like they've had a couple glasses of wine, or maybe their words are nonsensical, they're not making any sense, or they don't understand someone, or maybe they're not speaking at all. And then the T is time, meaning time is certainly of the essence. Um, I can't tell you the number of times I've seen patients who either themselves or their family members felt that they just, yeah, maybe they're a little bit tired and they felt off, so they encouraged them to go to bed, and that's that could be potentially one of the worst things to do. So if someone believes that their loved one, their friend, or whoever themselves or having or experiencing a stroke, time is of the essence, and that's a 911 telephone call. Get to the emergency room, closest emergency room, and seek urgent medical attention. That's first and foremost. Um, when we see patients who have hemorrhagic strokes, oftentimes all of the above apply, but they will also time also usually complain of severe headache. Um, they can have profound changes. They can you know not only have those sometimes subtle findings, but they could all of a sudden look very sick, totally unresponsive, nausea and vomiting, oftentimes associated with it uncontrollably, and complete unarousable, you know, they're just not arousable. You can't get that person up. And that, you know, as you might imagine, might imply a more significant substantial stroke. Not to say that the other symptoms are not insignificant, but this may be a, a very profound uh, issue. And that too should be handled in, in, in a very time-sensitive emergency manner, 911, get to the hospital, get to the ER sort of thing. Okay. Um, in this area, uh, the hospitals uh, treat both treat stroke, basically Overlook and uh, Morristown. Um, what about our the ICU? We hear a lot about Overlook's ICU that um, Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist has intensivists there. Um, what, what is that? What makes that a little bit special for uh, people that are listening? Right. So, you know, uh, when, when we talk about patients getting to emergency medical care as quickly as possible, that is paramount, right? So they need to go to the nearest, you know, they have to call 911. They, shouldn't call, they should call 911. They should go to the nearest emergency room. So they, way they can be what we call triaged, assessed evaluated, stabilized if need be, and then if that hospital that they're at for initial evaluation cannot handle their care for one reason or another, ultimately, and oftentimes those patients will be subsequently transferred to a specialty care facility such as the one that I practice at, or the ones that I practice at, that can handle the complex uh, nature of these, of these stroke patients. Um, what we call comprehensive stroke centers are centers that are designated by the Joint Commission of Health Organization that specialize in the treatment of both ischemic as well as hemorrhagic strokes. Uh, not only do they have physicians that can handle it, such as myself, at those facilities, but they also have a whole umbrella of care. So physicians that specialize not just in the surgical management, but also the neurological management of it, so stroke neurologists. We have neurocritical care, neurointensive care unit physicians who 24-7 are able to handle the most complex of these cases. Uh, 
Uh, we have ancillary staff as well, uh, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech pathology, 24-7 nurses, imaging, OR, operating room capability, and also minimally invasive approach to help treat all these things. So really hospitals that are uh, dedicated to the treatment of stroke and stroke patients in general are designated by such to, to be able to handle the most complex 24-7, 365 and, and simultaneously, you know, right. we, we have allotments so that way if two patients come in at the same time, we can treat them at the same time. Okay. And that would be a comprehensive center. Correct. So those, for those listening, uh, those are the centers you want to try to get to ultimately uh, where they can do uh, everything that Dr. Sapphire was speaking about. Dr. Sapphire, I just want to touch base on some of the uh, trials and, and the new things that you're leading uh, with regard to stroke to let patients know how kind of ahead of the curve we are right here in New Jersey, right here in this area. Uh, with you leading that charge. Can we explain a little bit about some of the trials going on? Absolutely. So one thing that I'm very excited about right now, and uh, we're really in the, in the thick of things, and we're, uh, we're proud to say that uh, we were one of the first and certainly one of the leaders in terms of enrolling these trials and running our own trials as well, is for specifically the minimally invasive surgery for hemorrhagic stroke. And um, we currently have a couple of ongoing trials. I'm the, the lead PI or primary investigator for, uh, for a couple of these trials. One is a uh, international multi-center study looking to uh, definitively show that minimally invasive surgery uh, for these large devastating uh, brain bleeds is better than best medical management. Um, we're actively enrolling patients. We're the, the highest screener for patients, uh, not only just in the United States, but also internationally as well. Wow. Um, we have, you know, obviously the, the, not obviously, but the data has to be collected. We have to complete the study in order to, to say definitively one way or the other, how things go. I do believe that ultimately we will see that there is uh, an improvement with patients that receive aggressive, minimally invasive surgical therapy as compared to, um, to best medical management alone. Um, another trial that is exclusive to our institution is what we call a hyperacute trial, uh, where we're looking to treat patients with these brain bleeds or brain hemorrhages as quickly as humanly possible and as safely possible, for sure. Uh, that is also actively enrolling patients. Uh, it's similar, but it's slightly different. So, you know, we're trying to treat patients. We're, we're, we're adopting the model of ischemic stroke treatment. Uh, where we, you know, use that acronym FAST, and we do that on purpose. We're, we're adopting that model and applying it to hemorrhagic stroke to try to treat these patients as quickly as possible and really try to be as effective in identifying patients, stabilizing them, and if need be, transferring them to our facility. You know, our institution is the only... Uh, institution in New Jersey participating in that trial. Uh, there's only a handful of centers in the United States actively enrolling patients in the trial. And to be, you know, frankly honest with you, in the United States, I would say out of 100 neurosurgical centers, so out of 100 hospitals that perform neurosurgical interventions, over 90% of them are not going to offer this minimally invasive approach. So, you know, I, I'm proud to say that I'm part of an institution, an organization that offers the latest and the cutting edge, most technology for these uh, very sick patients. Okay. Um, we have a very large listening base, and I want to thank all my listeners for listening to me every Sunday. But for those uh, that are listening that aren't in this area, because the radio show um, does reach uh, a large area of New Jersey, um, if one of their loved ones is experiencing something like this, is this something they should mention to that hospital or facility that they're in about, 
you know, they heard that, you know, this is being offered or there's a there's something that can be done, even if they use your name, Dr. Sapphire, up in, in Morristown. Is this something they should be asking for? Absolutely. I would say that uh, the the largest type or the, the, the highest percentage of referrals that I get from other types of physicians, the, the, the highest percentage of those types of physicians are actually other neurosurgeons that I've reached out to. And I think that's great. Because what those other neurosurgeons essentially are saying is we get this technology, we don't perform this here, we're recognizing the limitations of our institution, and we know that it is in the best interest of this patient that they be evaluated and potentially treated by you and your institution. And that's tremendous, as you can imagine, as a lot of the listeners probably imagine. You know, that's that's taking away the hubris or the you know the that that person's you know ego and saying, you know what, we know that we can't treat this here. But there's a tremendous higher number of institutions that don't that may not even be aware of this availability because again it is a concept that challenges 50 60 years worth of our doctrine of what we've been saying right. as neurosurgeons right. so yes if if a patient or their loved one feels like the that their you know their loved one is there and experiencing something like this and they've heard this show and do they think it's appropriate that they mention it to the physician yes because i cannot treat a patient if i don't know about them and we won't know about a patient unless the question's asked okay uh, and just to clarify, when should they be asking for the ischemic stroke, the hemorrhagic stroke, or the brain bleed, or all of the above? All of the above. I okay. think, you know, certainly, you know, ischemic stroke has very much been in the spotlight, and a lot of people are much more aware of it. With that being said, there are still patients, I believe, out there that could probably benefit from treatment that maybe aren't getting to the, to the facilities fast enough. Uh, but certainly hemorrhagic stroke, that's the, that's the up-and-comer. And I think that that's something that I would love to spread that awareness, increase that awareness, and really help treat a lot of those patients out there. Okay. Um, I know uh, when we did our last show, even though it was a year or two ago, a lot of questions that I got on my online blog was about patients who wake up uh, and they, had, they, they have symptoms of a stroke when they wake up. Uh, explain a little bit about that. They should still be calling 911 now, right? Years ago, the thought was, you know, they can't do anything. It's a wake-up stroke. Right. Uh, I think to add to that, yes, yeah, so wake-up strokes and also patients who are older that are having strokes. So a lot of people used to say, oh, a patient is 80 years old and they're having a stroke. We can't really do anything for them. But that's not true. And the same is also applied to wake-up strokes. We know now that with the advanced in non-invasive imaging, our ability to assess what is happening in the brain and what is able to be saved for that brain has improved so much. I can say to someone, if they wake up at 9 o'clock in the morning and they're completely paralyzed, that patient, I, I may not be able to offer them uh, a, a surgical intervention but I might be able to. And again, the fundamental issue is that I will not know if I can offer that person something unless we ask that question. And so if that patient is assessed rapidly and we do the appropriate imaging for them, and importantly, if the question is asked of a specialist such as myself, is this somebody that can be treated? Then we can make that determination. Okay. Well, you heard it from one of the experts, Dr. Paul Sapphire from Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. Dr. Sapphire can be reached at 973-285-7800. Please visit our website at ansdocs.com. Um, you can look up Dr. Sapphire's bio and read all about him and, and all the great things he's doing, especially with the trials. Uh, visit my website for the radio show at AnswersLiveNJ.com to hear all these shows over and over again. Uh, also visit the website. We did launch a new website. It's a lot user-friendly, um, and all the shows are there for you. Again, remember, ANS Now is in-network. 
with Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield to offer pretty much 60 percent of the people in the state uh, care with their insurance now. So again, thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to speaking to you all again next Sunday. And always, thanks for your support. Join us again next week for Answers Live, your community medical connection, making a partnership of good health. The preceding program was paid for by Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. The views and opinions expressed on Answers Live are not necessarily those of the staff and management of the station. Management has not investigated the claims made during this program. The views and medical recommendations of guests on Answers Live are not necessarily those of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. As always, consult your health professional regarding any medical decisions.